We're gonna jump into our, uh, into our content tonight. We're, we're doing a, a series on talking with God and we're trying to be really practical. I'm gonna, I, today we'll, we'll, I think what you'll find is that the next couple of weeks, tonight we're gonna talk about the still small voice of God. You've probably heard that phrase. Any conversation about talking with God, has, you've probably heard that phrase. We're gonna talk about the still small voice of God. And then next, not next week, because next week we'll be off for Thanksgiving. The week after that, we'll come back and close the series. And we're gonna talk about discerning God's voice. How do I know the difference between um, when God is speaking and when it's me? What are those discernment tools? So that's kind of gonna be um, the next couple of weeks. Last week, we talked about the question, what do you want? It's a really important question. Jesus uses this question to kind of get to the heart of things. And we talked about when we're, when we're pursuing a relationship with God where we're talking with him, where we wanna hear God, it's important for us to ask questions, why do we wanna hear God? And we looked last week at some of the, some of the, uh, some of the errors, I think, in, in the reasons why we, we wanna hear God. Uh, but we, we, we discussed, and I think this is really important, especially headed into this week, we discussed that the critical nature of, of, of a relationship with God where he is speaking to us, where we're hearing him and interacting with him, that that is meant to be embedded in us living a certain kind of life. So hearing God is not separate from the kind of life that we have sought to live, the kind of life where we're seeking to, uh, to love God and seek the kingdom first where we are wanting to be more and more and more like Jesus. If that is the direction and the aim of our life, that's the context in which hearing God is meant to be discovered. If that's not what we're pursuing, if we're not interested in becoming more like Jesus, if we're not interested in seeking first the kingdom, and we just want the experience of hearing God, and it is very likely that we will never really do so. And if we do, it will be a very shallow and one-off experience. But God made us as relational creatures, but his design for us is to be transformed into kingdom people. And so if I'm pursuing that kingdom transformation, the way in which that transformation occurs is through relationship. And every relationship has communication. So communication, you see, is embedded within a life uh, that is pursuing the kingdom. So have you ever heard, that was last week, and we'll jump into the content this week. Just a show of hands, have you ever heard that phrase, the still small voice? Have you ever heard that phrase? Yeah, it comes up pretty often whenever you're in conversation about hearing, with, uh, hearing from God. And it comes from the story of Elijah. We're not gonna go there uh, today, but Elijah has just had this, um, this victory over the prophets of Baal, but then his life has been threatened by Jezebel. And so he flees and uh, he ends up in a cave. And he's fleeing for his life. There's, there's a price on his life. He's not sure that there's anybody left uh, that, that, ha, that is uh, serving Yahweh. He thinks he's the only one and he's in total distress and he's, he's in this cave all by himself. And, um, and scripture says that a wind and fire and all this noise come. And in each moment, the noise comes, the big moment comes and it says, but God was not in the fire. God was not in the wind. And then scripture says that God spoke to Elijah in a still, small voice. So that's where we get that phrase, still, small voice. And what, we're gonna, what I'm gonna suggest to you tonight is that the still, small voice of God is the primary way in which God speaks. 
It's the, it's, and I'm gonna use that word primary because I didn't say only, but it's the primary way in which God uh, speaks to us. But I wanna first kind of capture the various ways that we see God speak through scripture. I've written six down. And if you're following along uh, with us, some of these are gonna be in your blanks. And by the way, if you've missed a week, um, it's available on our midweek podcast. So if you'll just search for Donia Hill and go to our midweek studies, you can find any week that you have missed. But here's the six ways, that, and I've tried to just uh, capture uh, these in large groups, but the six ways that we see God speak in scripture, uh, one is a supernatural messenger or an angel. We're coming up on Christmas. Think about the announcement of the birth of Jesus to um, the shepherds, we've got the angel that announces his arrival. So a supernatural messenger is which, in which God speaks. We've got situations where there's a phenomenon plus a voice. We're in the book of Exodus right now. And so the phenomenon of this bush that is burning but not, uh, not being consumed and at, out of the burning bush, God speaks to Moses. God speaks throughout scripture in dreams and visions as I, just, I was just trying to think of like, what's the first thing that comes to my mind? And the first thing that came to my mind is Jacob. When Jacob is running from his brother and he's, he's spending the night at, um, out by himself and he has the dream of, of, the, of um, angels ascending and descending up the, up the ladder into the heavens. So God speaks in dreams and visions. God also speaks in an audible voice. I thought about Paul, Paul on the road to Damascus when Jesus confronts him and says, why are you persecuting me? God also speaks through the human voice. And in this one, I just thought, man, every, uh, the, the entirety really of the prophets, you have this phrase, thus saith the Lord. And so God uses the, uh, the prophets, you certainly see that in the Old Testament where God uses the prophetic voice to speak to his people. And then we have this last one that is kind of the, the most slippery of them all, the hardest to get our head around, and that's the, the still, small voice. And again, that comes from the story of Elijah. But as we kind of turn the corner and head in to narrow down what is this still, small voice, I think we've got to be careful just right at the outset. There's two errors, I think, that we can make as we think about talking uh, with God, God's speaking to us. And the first error is for us to say, God doesn't do that anymore. You'll hear that. You'll hear people say, God just doesn't speak like that anymore. One, a, a phrase I uh, picked up is called Bible deism. Um, I don't know who coined that phrase, but it's basically like God, God gave us scripture and left the scene. And God just, God doesn't speak any, anymore. Um, and, uh, and so I think, that's, I think that's an error. And, and again, there are to be those that disagree, but in my opinion, there's nothing in scripture uh, that indicates that God has ceased to speak in any of the above ways that we've just talked about. Although all six of those ways in which I've said that God speaks throughout scripture, I, I don't think that there's any reason to believe God does not still speak in those ways. And I think um, if we examine the, uh, the record of Christian history, we're gonna find um, evidence of, of all of those six um, encounters where people hear from God in those ways. So I think it's an error for us to go, man, we don't even need to be diving into this because God just doesn't speak that way. The other error, I think the, the kind of the other cliff that we can fall off on the other side of the road is that God only speaks in those more extraordinary ways. 
We eliminate, we like the first five, we eliminate the sixth, which is the still small voice, but God only speaks in more extraordinary ways. He only speaks in dreams or visions. God only speaks um, in phenomena. He only speaks by, you know, his, his audible voice. The, what that sets us up for, and again, I'm not saying that God does not speak like that because I absolutely believe that God does. But the problem is if we only believe that God speaks that way, then we become people that seek a moment, not a presence. We don't, we're not seeking him, we're seeking a certain experience. Um, and that can set us up for, for failure. That can set us up for sometimes kind of an emotionalism that leads us to believe that we've had an experience, but really we're just trying to validate our relationship through the creation of an experience. And that, that can happen when we only believe that God speaks in those extraordinary ways. So we kind of have to hold all of those together. That God speaks in a variety of ways, but, and I, I wanna emphasize this again, I do believe that the still small voice is the primary way in which God communicates. I wanna take you to John chapter 14. So if you've got your Bibles, go to John chapter 14. Now, this is a dense chapter. There's a lot here, and I wanna just highlight a couple, of, a couple of things. In verse 15 of John chapter 14, I'm gonna read 15 through 17. Again, just a small snippet from this text. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom, you, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. Now watch this, this last little phrase is gonna be really important. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Now I wanna call, we're not reading the whole chapter but I wanna bring to your attention the fact that this is the same place that Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit will be the one that he sends to help us keep the commands of Jesus. The Spirit is gonna help us obey, know and obey Jesus' commands. It's the same conversation. This is also the place where Jesus tells us that the Spirit will teach us and lead us into all truth, okay? So we've gotta have that in our mind. Jesus says those things in the same place. Now, go, go back into that verse. Notice the beginning, verse 15. There's a very simple statement. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. What's being described there? What's being described is the kind of life we talked about last week, the one I just referenced. What that, that life is aimed at loving Jesus and keeping and following his commandments, right? If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Is that or is that not our aim? So, right, that's, that, we would say, yes, that's what we wanna do, right? That makes, that makes sense. And so here's what, here's what Jesus says. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. If that's where your life is aimed, then watch this, then I'm gonna ask the Father because something that is gonna be vitally important for living that kind of life is the presence of the Spirit. You need help. And I'm gonna send a helper that's gonna be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot receive it because it doesn't see him or know him. But here's how you will know him. Now watch this. You will know him because he dwells with you and will be in you. Now let's put all these pieces together. So if, the, if, if my life is set at loving Jesus and following his commands, seeking first the kingdom, right? 
was what we talked about. If that's where my life is set, then it is absolutely crucial, and Jesus says this, I have to have the presence of the Holy Spirit in me to lead me, to guide me into all truth so that I can live that kind of life. Do we agree that I cannot live a life of loving Jesus and following his commands absent the Spirit, right? So we have to have the Spirit Now, if God's aim is relationship with us, notice where does the deposit of the Spirit hit? Where does does the Spirit live? In us. And what does Jesus say? What will our relationship be like? He says, you, and then what's the word? You know him. That word know is really important because that's a word describing relationship. That's not a word describing knowledge like on the back of somebody's baseball card. It's a relationship word. You will know the one that is going to lead you and help you in loving Jesus and and following his commands because he will be in you. So where is the primary place where the Holy Spirit is going to teach and lead us in loving Jesus and following his commands? Where is that interaction gonna take place? In us. Do you see that? That's really, really, really important. So the the primary place where we're gonna experience hearing God is in the context of that relationship that we have with the indwelling spirit who is leading us, guiding us, and teaching us, but he's doing that from the inside. Now, can God use external things to speak to us? Everybody nod and say, yes, yes, we've already said that, right? But the primary place of that leading and guiding comes on the inside, and you will know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. So if we are looking for God to speak and we're only looking outside, then we're gonna miss the majority of the relationship that God has with us because he wants to lead us and guide us and speak to us and know us from the inside, okay? So is that good? Are we okay there? Okay, so that's the primary, that's the primary place. I love the way that Willard says it. And by the way, I don't think I said this last week, One of the best books I've ever read on this topic that deals way more extensively than what we've gone into in the first four weeks is is, uh, Dallas Willard's Hearing God. It's an extensive book on um, on this topic. We're just dabbling into some things he covers in a couple of different, uh, different chapters, but it is wonderful. Here's what he says in that book on page 118. He says, God usually addresses individually those who walk with him in a mature personal relationship using this inner voice. And he says, doing what? Showing forth the reality of the kingdom of God as they go. So what God is doing is, is, he is he is speaking to us, leading us, guiding us on the inside. This relationship that we have with him on the inside, what he's doing is, is, he, is he is showing us the way of the kingdom as we go. So as we are in motion, living the kind of life where we want to love Jesus and follow his commands, then the spirit of God is at work on the inside of us, showing us the way, leading us and guiding us and showing us the way of the kingdom. I love that description. So here's the deal. Maturity, I think this is one of your blanks, maturity in Christ should lead to a greater degree of familiarity with the still small voice. All right? Maturity, now how many of you know maturity does not happen overnight? Let's be patient with ourselves. Let's give ourselves grace, okay? Maturity is a process, but as we mature in Christ, 
then we, will, we're, we should experience a greater degree of familiarity with a still small voice and a lesser reliance on extraordinary circumstances. So greater degree of familiarity with God in the still small voice and a lesser reliance on extraordinary circumstances. Here's just a couple of examples of that that I think are helpful. You remember in 1 Samuel chapter three where the little boy Samuel is with Eli and he's preparing to, um, to live his life serving the Lord uh, and, and God speaks to him. Do you remember this story? And what does he do? How familiar is he with God as he speaks? He's like, what's going on here? I'm hearing something. And so he goes, knocks on Eli's door and it's like, hey, I'm hearing voices. Right? And, he, and it's okay. So this process happens. So he's so unfamiliar. This process happens multiple times. And Eli finally tells him, listen, it's God. Next time he says something, just say, here I am. <laughs> right? And the point is, the point is that, that Samuel was immature in hearing God's voice. And so even when God spoke in a, in, in a ex- more extraordinary way, he was unfamiliar with God's voice. You can compare that. I think this is fascinating. In Acts chapter 19, verse 21, there's this this little line. It's a tiny little spot. If you're reading fast, you'll miss it. But it says that Paul, quote unquote, resolves in the spirit to continue on to Jerusalem. Resolves in the spirit. So really interesting, uh, really interesting words that are used there. Resolves in the spirit is like an internal process. You ever had, you ever had a, a time where you've just been thinking on something? You guys ever had like a big decision where you're, where you're, you're thinking on something, and, but that's internal? You ever had that where you don't even quite know how to describe what you're thinking? If someone were to say, what are you thinking about? What do you think about such and such? And you're going, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I have words to form yet. Why? Because where is it all happening? On the inside, right? You're thinking about it, processing it on the inside, Right? And so that word resolves in the spirit. What it's talking about is it, Paul's literally having a process, an internal process where he's wrestling with God on whether or not he needs to go to Jerusalem or not. And it says he resolves in the, in the spirit to go. He determines on this, through this interior process um, to go. That's a, that's a mature interaction with God's voice compared to Samuel who's like, who is this <laughs> shouting out loud, Right? What's interesting is that, and, and I, you know, we can't, we cannot be sure. It's not recorded. And the book of John tells us that if, if everything about Jesus were, were to be written down, the books could not, uh, could not contain it. Like the world could not contain what could have been written. So we don't know this for sure, but it's, it's never recorded that Jesus had, uh, had a vision. It's never recorded that Jesus experienced any of these real more extraordinary means. And yet, and yet, Jesus talks about a deep familiarity and intimacy with the Father. In John 5, 19, he says, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. And yet we never read of Jesus having some dream or vision where God actually shows him in some external way what he's doing. Everything that Jesus does seems to be from his intimate relationship with God on the inside, now, he maybe did have a vision or two, but we certainly never hear about it. He also says that he only says what he hears the Father saying. So Jesus talks about seeing and hearing God, but never in a more external sense. He talks about it in an, in an internal sense. And do you not know that Jesus is a, is a, is a perfect model of what a, the mature Christian life ought to look like? I mean, he gives us a perfect window into what does what walking in the Spirit look like? Look at the life of Jesus, Right? 
And as we mature, we ought to become more and more and more like him. I love in Numbers 12, we're, we're gonna stay with our guy Moses a little bit here. In Numbers chapter 12, verse six through eight, here's what God says about Moses. He says, he is faithful in my house. With him, I speak mouth to mouth. Why don't you think about that for a second? That's not Moses saying that about God. That's God saying that about Moses. This is God saying, this is the way I address my guy Moses. We just talk. That's how deeply familiar we are. Now, we gotta look back on, that didn't come overnight, right? That did not come overnight. That came through a process of, of seeking God's presence, of hearing God's voice. But God says, I don't speak to him in riddles. Uh, I, I speak to him clearly. Moses was mature in hearing that still, small voice and interacting with God. So what does that still, small voice sound like? Now, we're about to wade into, can I just say, impossible territory. You're on the edge of your seat, hopefully, hopefully, and you're thinking, I'm about to tell you exactly what the still, small voice sounds like, and then when I tell you, you're gonna go, ah, that's it. But here's the problem, I can't. And here's the reason why I can't. I can only speak in general terms. Why? Because there are things that are certainly going to be the same in my experience and RJ's experience in hearing the still small voice of God. There are ways in which our experience is gonna be the same. But the reason that it cannot be exactly the same is precisely for the reason that we talked about in week one, because God knows us intimately and perfectly. God created us uniquely. And so the way in which God is going to speak to my heart and speak to me internally is going to look different than it is for RJ because he's different than me. And God is going to speak to me in the most personal way possible. I hope you're encouraged by that that God knows your personality, God knows you so well that God is able to better than anybody else in your life, God can speak to you personally and he's going to do that, right? So in many ways, our experiences of hearing that still small voice are going to be different because we are different people, okay? So we're gonna have to speak in generalities, but I wanna take you to 1 Corinthians chapter two, verse six through 16, and then I'm gonna tell you a story about a dog. Are you listening? Okay, I'm gonna read this. This is, a, this is a long chunk of scripture. Students, can you, if you have it on your phone or just in front of you, I want you to see these words in front of you, okay? So go to 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 16. I'm gonna read this out of the NIV. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. Now, I really want you to key in here at verse 10. What verse? 10. 10. These things, so what are these things? The things that God has prepared for those who love him. These things, are, these are the things that God has, what's this word? Revealed to us 
by his spirit. The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own little s spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand that God, uh, what God has freely given to us, okay? So you tracking that? So God has prepared these things for those who love him, and it's by the spirit that we understand those things that God has freely given us. This is why we speak in verse 13. He says, this is what, what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The person without the spirit does not accept the things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and can't understand them because they're discerned only through the spirit. Have you heard the word spirit enough in this passage? You good? We're gonna do it a couple more times. Verse 15. The person with the spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments, for who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. All right, that is dense. We just did a lot, and the word spirit shows up like 15 times right there, okay? So we've gotta, we've gotta untangle this, and I wanna try to make it really, 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 really simple, in verse 10, it says, these are the things that God has revealed to us by the Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. So here's the way that this works. Here's how I would summarize. And I'm gonna quote Willard again here. God uses our self-knowledge or self-awareness. You see that part in there that says, who knows the thoughts of man but the spirit of man? God uses our self-knowledge or self-awareness, which is heightened and given a special quality by his presence and direction to search us out and reveal to us the truth about ourselves and our world. And we are able to use his knowledge of himself that's been made available to us in Christ and the scriptures to understand in some measure his thoughts and intentions towards us and to help us see his workings in our world, okay? So here's basically what's going on here. What's going on here is that there is a wealth of knowledge and wisdom and understanding that lies in the, in the heart and the mind of God, right? God is infinitely wise, right? The problem is, the problem is that without the spirit of God dwelling in us, we have no access to that wisdom. Because what does he say? He says that the wisdom of God, the knowledge of God, these things are what to those who don't have the spirit? This is foolishness. It's absurd, right? It's foolish. But here's the deal. But God desires that we know his thoughts. God wants us to know what he wants. God wants us to know who we are in him. God wants us to know more about who he is. God wants us to know what it looks like to live as human beings that he created us to live, to love God and to, and to, and to follow the commands of Jesus. God wants us to know that, right? I think sometimes we think he doesn't, if we're being honest. Sometimes I think we think 
God may not want me to know that. It seems, it seems tricky, but scripture here says, no, God wants, God wants you to know that. So how is it that God is going to get his mind into your mind? Where does it happen? The still, small voice. As God interacts with his mind, interacting with our mind, with our thoughts, with our reasoning, this is where we experience the still, small voice. As God, by the power of his spirit, makes himself known to us on the inner being. God is revealing himself to us, and it's in this interaction, the still small voice is this place of interaction between our thoughts, our intentions, our feelings, and God's mind. And by the power of God's spirit, he is revealing to us those things which are true. And I think the primary category, what does God say to us in his still small voice? What is God always talking to us about? I think you can sum it up in three things. The first is God is revealing to us more about who he is. That's one of the things that's going on on the inside as we've set ourselves to know him. One of the things that God is, is, is revealing to us is the truth about who he is. The second thing that God is, is revealing to us is who we are. God wants to help us by the power of his spirit to know why we are doing what we're doing, why we're thinking what we're thinking. Because who knows our heart and mind better than he does? And one of the things that God is doing in that still small voice is God is helping us to understand why we do what we do. We're doing premarital counseling right now. We had a great session with a couple last night. And I shared with them an example of uh, some, we're talking through some communication things. And I said, one of the things that I struggle with just personally is when I, get, when I get in my flesh, the thing that shows up quickly is criticism. And I'm so glad that I'm the only one in this room that struggles with that. Um, you guys can pray for me, but um, I struggle a little bit with criticism. When I'm in my flesh, I'm coming at you. And it's gonna be with this harsh, critical spirit. And I finally, just, I mean, I just honestly gotten to the point, like I've seen that hurt the people around me. And wouldn't you know, I'm, it takes me a minute. I'm not, I'm, I'm not the brightest all the time. It takes me a minute. And I finally just, just thought, you know what? I ought to ask God about this. <laughs> Has it ever dawned on you to ask God about why you do what you do? So I said, God, why am I critical? Why, does, why is that my weapon? And don't you know that God in his perfect sovereign nature knows why I'm critical? And so God began to just take me through a few things, ask me a few questions. And you know what? None of this happened through some conversation, right? None of this happened on the exterior. It happened in my thought life. As I started reflecting on like, man, whoa, okay, and it was, it was like God was just uncovering rocks for me and helping me move along and showing me this instance and that instance. Well, why would you be critical? What is criticism, Kendall? What is criticism? It's you're taking power over somebody. Why do you need that power? <laughs> why do you need to feel superior? Because criticism is putting somebody else down so that you can be here. And I'm telling you all some things about my life, right? Okay, so, but, but why, Kendall? And those, that's the kind of thought. But you know why that's happening in my mind? because I asked God about it. And I think what he's helping me do is see and understand myself so that he can reveal himself and so that I can be more like him, right? Does it make sense? You guys tracking? So that's the second thing I think God helps us do is even understand us. And then the third thing, third thing I think third category, what is God doing when he speaks to us in the still small voice is 
um, as he is showing us the way of the kingdom. He is helping us to see the kingdom because we live in, in this already and not yet kingdom. The kingdom of God has burst on the scene, but there is brokenness and hurt and pain and wreckage all around us. But we're called to be uh, people that are sowing the seeds of, um, of the kingdom. We're, we're, we're moving the kingdom forward. And so I think God helps us in the midst of a broken and fractured world. I think God helps us to see the way of the kingdom so that we might walk in it. So we might not get distracted by the things of the world. God shows us the kingdom because the kingdom shows up in all sorts of hidden and unexpected places. If you're not watching, you'll miss it. And I think God helps tune our eyes and ears to the kingdom. So here's a good example of that. The kingdom is like a church that got canceled and people met in their homes and shared a meal. You guys okay? That's, that's the kingdom. And if, because I was not okay for a minute on Sunday. <laughs> I almost missed the kingdom. I almost missed the kingdom because I wasn't looking for it because I was in my flesh. And it was like, it wasn't until I got a text from Margie, shout out to Margie's crew, man. Wow, what a, what a great class. And Margie was like, we're just sharing a meal. We're just having a meal. We, we, got, we, we, we brought a meal over to Nick and Sally, who Sally's been in the hospital. And like, like we, we just, we're breaking bread. And God had to tap me and go, do you see the kingdom? You're worried about pipes burst. And here's the kingdom that you're gonna miss because you're worried about pipes burst, right? So he helps us to see the kingdom when we might, when we might otherwise uh, miss it. All right, I'm gonna tell you a story about a dog. Jesus um, talks about being a shepherd. Anybody in here ever done sheep? Anybody? Okay, not many shepherds. Okay, Ken. The things that I did not think I would learn about you tonight. Ken's a shepherd. All right. So shepherd Ken, you could, you could riff on being a shepherd, but I can't. Um, I've never been, I've never been a shepherd. So, um, but I've had dogs. So, um, and I've got this one dog. Um, her name is B. B-E-A. We name almost every creature that inhabits our house after someone in the Andy Griffiths show. Um, and so I've got this dog B. And when B was a, was a puppy, I bought, we got B because I'm a bow hunter and I'm colorblind and that's a problem. And you can put those pieces together. Um, I needed, I needed a dog that could help me see. <laughs> uh, so there's, there's sermons in that, that I'm still working out. Um, but I needed a dog that could help me, help me see. And so I had to train, I had to train this dog and anybody that's ever had a dog, this is not just with a, with a tracking dog. This is any dog. Anybody's ever had a, had a puppy. You start at kind of that puppy stage. And, um, what is the nature of the relationship when they're in the puppy stage, right? I'm using a lot of words. There's a lot of external <laughs> where I'm, where I'm, there's extraordinary circumstances happening in the life of that dog um, where there's an external voice of authority that is trying to, uh, trying to get that dog in the right direction. And a lot of times, so even just like the command to sit, right? The first few times you do that, it's, you have to be, um, you have to really, um, uh, what, am, what are the words I'm trying to, you have to really exacerbate your emotions, like trying to help that dog to see the consistency of your body language and what you're asking them to do with what your words say. But the first time that you do it, you even have to put your hands on them and put them into um, a certain position to show them what you're wanting to do. So it's very, and if we're talking about a relationship with God, it's very extraordinary circumstance when that dog is, is immature. But the idea is that as that dog is more 
more and more and more mature. And I have some serious questions about B, but that's a different topic for a different day. And, but the, the idea is that as that dog grows in, in maturity, then what she starts to do is she starts to not need my words. She starts to, she's so in tuned with my presence that she starts to kind of naturally know where I'm going and what I'm about to, and what I, and what I need for her to do. We're at this stage now. It's really great. I, I, I love it. She's, she's doing great. Um, she's six now. And so if we go on a walk in the woods, she will, she will run around, but she never gets too, uh, she never gets too far away. And one of the things that she's always doing is she'll go a little bit and she's always doing two things. She's always listening and she's always watching. She'll listen. If I'm walking just at a normal pace and then my pace slows down, she will slow down, turn around and use her eyes to check. Is that because I said, I'm changing directions now? No. Did she need an external voice to tell her or did something else happen where we could communicate? This is a parable. I'm working this out. Okay, you guys okay? What did she hear? Yeah, she heard the change in my cadence. Like my steps slowed down. She heard it, but she's so in tune with my presence that she's listening for that sort of thing. And then she turns, why is she turning to look? Because she wants to know what I'm doing. She wants to know what I'm doing next, right? And in those moments, there's not a bunch of words exchanged. In those moments, we come to a fork in the trail and, my, and, my, and I turn off this way and she's going that way. It's not gonna be long before she hears that, that her master went a different direction. And so she's gonna turn and look and then catch back up. Right? And it's not because I said anything. It's because of that still small voice. It's that deep connection that exists between the two of us where she is so in tune with my presence that she hears me speaking in me doing what I naturally do. Do you hear? Do you, is this working? Is this parable working? Okay. The kingdom of heaven was like, a blood tracking dog <laughs> for a colorblind guy, right? I mean, this is, this is, I'm trying here. But I think that's, I think that's the, I think that's the point is that when we are, when we have set ourselves to love God, to seek first the kingdom and we learn by being sheep in his pasture, we learn to hear his voice, the more and more and more mature we grow in that, the more intuitively we are connected to the footsteps of our master. And the less he has to say, Mike, let's go this way. And the more that he can just do what he's doing and we're so relationally connected that I'm just naturally following his steps. You guys with me? Is that working okay? So it's not that communication stops. It's that communication shifts in maturity from an external command to an internal connectedness where I experience the will of my father through the spirit on the inside. Okay, that's the best I got. If it doesn't make sense, you're gonna have to try somebody else because I don't know, that's the best I got. So... That's the parable about a dog. All right, 
We got some reflection time. Here we go, y'all ready? There's a couple more things. Okay, I just freaked a lot of people out. There are blanks that are not gonna happen tonight. I'm so sorry. Where's Jordan Cunningham? Are you okay? Where are you at? Oh, she left. <laughs> she knew what was gonna happen. She said, forget about it. Okay, so um, we're gonna pick some of that up next week because we I wanna talk about scripture. I wanna talk about what does the word of God mean? How does scripture play into this? We're gonna use that though, I think. I had that on this week's notes. We're gonna use it next week. Here's what we're gonna talk about um, or what I want you to reflect on. Um, Where's my reflection? Do you guys, okay. Think about what fills your imagination when you think about what it might look like for God to speak to you. So if you were just to imagine a scenario where God were to speak to you, would you imagine it as kind of the external thing, the more extraordinary ways, or do you imagine it in more of the still small, uh, small voice? Why do you think that is? I just want you to reflect on what your imagination does when you think about God speaking to you. I think it's helpful just for you to think, what am I thinking when I think about God speaking to me? What might change about the way in which you positioned yourself to hear from God if you knew he primarily wanted to speak to you from the inside? I think it's a really important question. What might my habits and routines and disciplines look like if I knew that the primary place where God wants to interact and speak with me is on the, is on the inside? Um, how might your daily time with God, with God change if that were the case, Okay. So I'm gonna give you three minutes on that. I want you to just journal right and then we're gonna, we're gonna worship, okay? Go ahead. Well, let's pray and be dismissed. God, thank you for today and thank you uh, just for this wonderful place. God, thank you for each and every person um, here and in the, in the uniqueness of our stories, all the places that we have come from, God, you have chosen to, in this moment, bring us together in this community for your glory. And we just thank you for this family. And God, we pray that you would help us, uh, you would help us to desire the kingdom. You would help us to seek first your kingdom. And as part of that, God, that you would help us to tune in to your still small voice. God, we thank you that you don't wanna speak to us in code and in mystery, but you wanna reveal yourself to us. You want to show us who you are and to, to, to illuminate uh, who we are and the things that we're struggling with and, and the directions that we need to go. God, you wanna show us those things. You wanna lead us into life everlasting and we thank you for that and we pray that you would help us to lean in and hear and recognize your voice. God, I pray that you would help us to just be in tune with that this week. That we might notice uh, thoughts and, um, and things on the inside that maybe we've never noticed before that very well might be you speaking to us. God, would you teach us we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Remember, this it is Turkey Week next week, so have a happy Thanksgiving. And uh, we will not meet next week, but we will meet the week after that. We will see you then. Don't forget, there's turkey in there. First one to it. Adios. <laughs>